Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my friend. It's all about the brand new podcast bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Think you better quit talking all that shit unless we're talking about Limbiscuit. That is incredible. I spent a lot, spent all day working on that. I, I'm so proud of you. I feel um, like because this is a, a brand new podcast, we should have, do like a professional intro. Whenever I've I've guested on another podcast, which I do frequently because I'm a media personality and an influencer and stuff, um, they're always like, uh, like the actual podcast bit doesn't start at the beginning of the call. And it always throws me a bit. There's a bit about uh, the, the call, like everyone is there and they're all talking. Obviously, there's, sometimes there's more than two people and everyone's just talking and like chatting. And I'm I'm giving out some of my best bits and I'm throwing out bits and I'm being funny. And they're like, yeah, this isn't actually part of the podcast. I'm like, what? Okay, now we have to do the intro. Like, what? This isn't real. So I think maybe we should, but that's, it seems like that's what professionals do. So I think maybe we should do that. I disagree. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, in we're, that case, we're too good. I'm going to do it, and you can pretend it's not happening. Welcome to Pod Durst. Welcome to Pod Durst. <laughs> Try and say that with a straight face. <laughs> I'm so happy <laughs> right now. Um, so, Pod Durst. Welcome to the first Why are we episode. Doing this? Why are we doing this? Because we love new metal, and we want to share new metal with the world at a time where it is perhaps forgotten about by the vast majority of the population. Yes, absolutely. And it's the thing that on a, on our other podcast, our regular podcast, weekly show, Big Boys Don't Cry, which is about romantic films, it seems like there's a, a 50-50 chance each episode that we're going to end up talking about new metal somehow. So <laughs> It's, it's going to happen. So we might as well monetize it and and, yeah. and do this. So we are going to talk about new metal. And the first episode, we are talking about one of the greatest new metal bands, one of the most well-known and notorious new metal bands, Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit. Um, so, for the uninitiated, in case people don't know who Limp Bizkit are, a rap band, a rock band, a new metal band, a bad band? We'll find out over the course of this episode. Um, I could hear the question mark in your voice, <laughs> the way you said that. Um, but genuinely, like young kids might not even have heard of Limp Bizkit. No, no, they may well not have, even though they've sold how many? Like 40, 50 million records worldwide. Yeah, yeah. They are Not that everything is about record sales, but like, but, yeah, these days, the kids who, if you're sort of 13, 14, and part of the, you know, the TikTok generation, you probably don't even know who Fred Durst is. No, in which case the joke of the name of this podcast is lost <laughs> on you. It's going to sound more like some kind of Shakespearean nonsense. Pod, and I remember Durst. actually... I think it was in year 11 or year 12, we had an English teacher called Mr. Brown, who was an absolute legend. And he was quite, he was a metalhead. And I remember once we were doing some Shakespeare and someone said Durst. It was like, I Durst disagree, my liege or some shit. And Mr. Brown was reading it out and he was like, I Durst, not Fred Durst. I'm a cool teacher. And we all thought it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I do love that. I love that. And we went to the Reading Festival and we queued up to get a signed photo of Slayer for him. And he was really grateful. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. You know who wouldn't he was, have done that? He's a good that? man. 
Fred Durst. Fred Durst would not have done that. <laughs> Fred Durst has never signed anything ever. <laughs> he refuses. Um, so, so Limp Bizkit formed in Jacksonville, Florida, in the nineties. Terrible band name, but did, really, really bad. Like an awful band. Like, name. There are things in this. We're going to sort of rate elements of the band. We're going to take a band each episode and talk through some of their singles, their back catalogue, and their story and whatever. But yeah, the the band name very, very important. It, genuinely one of the worst band names of all time yeah but would you like to know some of the other band names that limp biscuit would have been called i've never wanted to know anything more <laughs> so some of the other names uh gimp disco oh god that's is that worse <laughs> I don't know. one of the names here is that worse. probably would have got us in more trouble at school i remember we the first time i'd heard of limp i was introduced to limp biscuit by my friend scott who had quite a big influence on my musical taste he introduced me to their man to rage against the machine and a whole bunch of other bands i'd never really been into metal much but he was me and him were like troublemakers at school but troublemakers who got good grades so it was fine but he he had significant other on a cd and i remember we, we us playing it in like the common room at school and getting in trouble for it but i think if it had been called gimp disco we'd have been in even more trouble that would have been an immediate expulsion um yeah. so we had gimp disco uh split dick slit <laughs> this is a pretty grim name <laughs> these um, are all like battle of the bands type names aren't yeah, they yeah yeah um sit form battle of the bands metal band bitch piglet <laughs> and Th- these just get worse and worse <laughs> are you ready for this you're just making them up now <laughs> are you ready for the best one i'm ready blood fart is that is that two words or one? Two words, blood fart. Okay, okay. Um, so so yeah, Limp Biscuit maybe was the best choice out of all of those. Um, yes, so, so they definitely. formed in Florida. You had Fred of the Durst. Um, Does that mean they're Florida men? <laughs> they are Florida men. Um, Fred, Fred of the Durst with his big old red hat. You have um, Wes Borland on guitar, creepy ghost man. Always wearing body paint. We'll talk more about that later. Creepy but talented ghost man. Very talented ghost man. Um, you've got Sam Rivers on bass, John Otto on drums, and then DJ Lethal on the turntables. Who also, <laughs> DJ Lethal. fun fact for you, was the DJ in House of Pain before he joined Limp Bizkit. I did know that, and yeah. that is cool. Which is very yep. cool. Um, but yes, yeah, so they, 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 they formed in Florida... They were very rowdy. They eventually got in with Korn. And then from that point, their career skyrocketed, where they became this huge band, notorious for being like proper fucking idiots, um, being really sort of full of braggadocio <laughs> as well. I think was the main the, the main thing that you got from Limp Bizkit and that you still get from listening to their music is that these are guys with giant testicles, like massive, yeah. massive testicles. It explains <laughs> the way that Fred Durst walks, the way that he sings, the way that the, they they play their, their 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 music as well. Big old balls, these guys, and they're not afraid to let people know. Um, and yeah. and. Limp Bizkit worked the best and it's something that I definitely recognize now and I kind of knew about when I was an impressionable teen that they work the best when they're at their stupidest and the moment they try and do something that's more serious that's when it all falls apart but when they're doing something like Break Stuff where the song is called Break Stuff go and listen to it the entire song is basically fuck you I'm grumpy I'm not going to tidy my room (laughs) and it's perfect 
it's like you know people people like to sing fuck you i won't tidy my bedroom to the tune of killing in the name by rage against the machine which is kind of fair enough but you know rage against the machine have all their political stuff break stuff is like that minus any any semblance of political (laughs) knowledge or attempts at trying to make a point other than I'm fucking livid today. <laughs> I'm really grumpy and I don't care who knows. That is the message yeah. of Break Stuff. Then you- uh, I was um, watching the performance of them doing Break Stuff before this and it is genuinely great. Like it is still an anthem. Like, this is genuinely still a song that I would listen to. And part of that is definitely nostalgia, but I do still think it's a really good song objectively. I think there's a couple of their songs that hold up incredibly well. Um, and and Break Stuff is one of them. Break Stuff is great. Counterfeit, which is their first kind of big single off their first album, is is still really good. Um, their cover version of Faith is bad. There's no getting around it. That is a bad song. That was one of the ones on Kerrang that I would like go go make a cup of tea when that came on. Yeah, it's 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 pretty damn awful. But Counterfeit off that album's good. Break stuff is good. Um The Mission Impossible one, take a look around. That's 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 pretty good as well. I I like that. And then after that you they they hit it big in in terms of UK presence at least with the album that has the worst name that perfectly complements their band name genuinely might be the worst album name of all time so perfectly designed for people who were about our age when it came out to annoy their parents and teachers so chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water it also vaguely sounds like a kid's cartoon <laughs> it does um so the wikipedia page for it says the album is intended to sound like a fictional band the phrase chocolate starfish refers to the human anus and (laughs) durst himself who has frequently been called an asshole very accurate accurate. i just i will never get bored of reading out factual things on wikipedia it's so good it's so especially relating to new metal um so so chocolate starfish as it's more commonly known because who has time to read out the whole name um chocolate starfish included the singles rolling which is a monster a little rolling is is good but also bad <laughs> rolling is so bad it's good rolling is Whereas the... i think break stuff is genuinely good for a lot yeah. of reasons like technical and objectively musically good reasons rolling is really stupid but really good <laughs> yeah break, break stuff has this amazing groove to it that's like that there are some metal songs that you just immediately immediately click and break stuff is one of those rolling is not rolling is this kind of incredibly rolling, dumb rolling, rolling, rolling. it's like an incredibly dumb disco <laughs> song but yeah. but done done by a new metal um and it it, it perfectly encapsulates limp biscuit where it's like and the video is so stupid as well. I've, with the fred durst dancers there's these women dressed as fred durst dancing in the background it's just like oh does my it God. on the record does it start with him like in the video where he's going oh yeah keep on rolling baby which is so funny Um, that sounds like some trace adkins shit it really does so so yeah chocolate starfish it had take a look around the mission impossible one it had rolling which is is the perfect example of incredibly dumb but somehow amazingly catchy new metal that has no real point to it 
um it then had my generation which i think almost falls into the same camp as break stuff where it's got that kind of oh yeah this is really stupid but i can really dig it yeah Um, it's got a groove it it does it does and then you had my way which is an objectively awful song yeah that's Um, terrible my way are or we, the highway. Are we the highway. Um, and then, the, as, not to be confused with, is it Frank Sinatra? He did it. His he way. did it. He did it. Fred Durst's way. I you believe know, Fred Durst also did it his way <laughs> in, in a much better way. Um, and then a, a song that I, I, I think I, I mentioned how much I love the song "Boiler" by these guys. Yeah. Um, because that is when they're trying to do something a bit more serious. So it's got a much more somber tone to it. The the guitar work in song almost sounds like Tool, and Tool a very big influence on Wes Borland in particular um but then Fred Durst comes in being all Fred Dursty (laughs) and it's it's beautiful because you've got all of this really sometimes very subtle guitar work going on in the background and like I said it's got this very somber subtle edge to it and then Fred Durst just going like fuck all you fuck all you why have you been mean to me motherfucker (laughs) um so, Someone was mean to me once, and I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great, and then and then the the video is is kind of like this dodgy, not quite Matrix thing. Um, so 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 here's here's a little example of some of the lyrics to Boiler, um, which is this very sort of like, it's almost got this avant-garde tone to it musically. But then you've got Fred Durst doing, "Why did I have to go and meet somebody like you?" Why did you have to go and hurt somebody like me? How could you do somebody like that? You know I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I'm a do everything myself. Maybe I could use some help. Um it's 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 a terrible song, but also an amazing song in some ways. And and that's the real clash when it comes to Limp Bizkit, really, is would the band have been successful without Fred Durst being the personality that he is? I'm not sure whether they would. I don't think they would at all, no. They could have had another singer doing you know, doing the kind of rappy thing and they might have done okay, but Fred Durst, I think, also courted controversy, but not in like a way where he was trying to... I don't know that he did it aggressively, but there were a lot of things he did that were really stupid that the press were all over. And it was at a time when you know, that kind of stuff really, really mattered and made a difference to bands because it was like, you know, the way people were hearing about these kind of bands was through like magazines like Kerrang! and the radio and like music channels on TV and stuff. It was just a completely different media landscape and his personality was perfect for it. Yes, exactly. A bit like a bit like Marilyn Manson. There was this real fear around Fred Durst in the media in terms of what Limp Biscuit would do to your children. And it wasn't quite to the same yeah. way as a as a satanic panic around um uh, around Manson. Um but there was still this thing about who are these fucking idiots swearing so much and acting acting the fool on my kids' TV screen. Um and, and it had that kind of thing. And equally there was then the double clash where Fred Durst was like if you looked at traditional metal heads and new metal heads fred durst was their version of the antichrist basically where it's like yeah. oh my god this guy's everything that's wrong with this new metal that's polluting my true metal um and so all of that controversy everything around that every stupid thing he did it all amped up the band that little bit further but at the same time i don't know if any of their albums had like overwhelmingly positive reviews because 
there's something wrong with their music and the thing that's wrong with their music (laughs) is generally fred durst you know (laughs) like yeah like i i I he's undeniably irritating yeah very irritating a really unique um delivery um lyrical delivery and i'm not sure whether that's a positive thing or not but you can tell it's fred durst instantly um but yeah, there was a Kerrang poll when you and Kerrang did some kind of annual awards a couple of years after Limp Bizkit's peak, where Fred Durst was voted to have the most slappable face in rock music. <laughs> and I can I can see that, like, uh, which just typifies that era. Yeah, yeah, it? and 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 as much as I love Limp Bizkit, that they're, they're they're never going to win, going to going to win any you know proper awards or be named Album of the Year by anybody. Um, no, but it's. There's a band that serious music critics love to hate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're, they're, they they took up the mantle before Nickelback took up the mantle of being that band that everybody loved to despise. Oh, God. Are we going to do an episode about Nickelback? At some point? Can we cover... Are they new metal? They weren't really new metal, were they? They were like... I'd say they're new metal adjacent. Yeah, so maybe, maybe okay. we can talk some Nickelback. Because, you know, we all just want to be big rock stars. <laughs> Drive around in our big old cars. Is that the next yeah. line in that song? <laughs> Something like it's that. been a very long time since I listened to it. Um, <laughs> so, so, again, an awful, awful song, but I think it's so bad it's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Let's not get sidetracked by a No, no, we, we will remain focused, focused on, on the Limbus. Although I now really wanted to say, do you, you know why they're called Nickelback? I do know why they're called Nickelback, actually, yeah. Because he worked at Starbucks and the coffee cost like one ninety five or whatever, and he'd give them their coffee and a nickel back. Yes, exactly. And then yeah, that became their thing. It's is it better than Limp Bizkit? I'm not sure. Um, mm, only just, <laughs> only just. Um, so 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 Limp Bizkit, right? They they they're still going. Yep, but they, they have And Wes is back with them, isn't he? He is. He is. So he left for a couple of years. They filled the void with the guy who played guitar for Snot, I believe, and then they right. released one of their worst songs ever, which is that cover of "Behind Blue Eyes." Oh, do you, so me- bad. Do you remember? And it that? was on Kerrang all the it time. It was on constantly. He's um, got some video of him just like standing in a white haze singing it. <laughs> yeah, to it's the camera great. really earnestly, and I'm like, Fred Durst, what are you doing? It's so good because because. Like, like we've mentioned, Limp Bizkit works best when they're at their most ridiculous. And so when they try and do something like that, it really, really bombs badly. Um, and, and and that album didn't go down too well. I think they really did feel the lack of, of Wes Borland there. Um, but then yeah. but then he came back and they, they, they played a little bit and then they released Gold Cobra. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, no. Before that, they released The Unquestionable Truth Part 1. Oh, that's true. They did release The Unquestionable <laughs> Truth Part 1. Which I remember even at the time, I think that came out 2004, five, we were in the sixth form. Me and my friend James from school, who like shared rooms and played in bands together and whatever, like we we were big new metal fans. But even at that point, we'd started laughing at Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Like they had already become a joke at that point. Um, So, yeah. So that was their like really proggy moment, wasn't it? Yeah. They They tried to be really ambitious. Um, only seven tracks yeah the propaganda the truth the priest the key the channel the story and the surrender oh. couldn't sing you any of those right now no no i might need to go well, back apparently on. wes did the cover art oh fair enough wes we love you which has got some skulls and then a nazi man doing a nazi salute and he's like a skeleton and limp biscuit in a very unreadable font <laughs> what more can you ask from a from a cover <laughs> um but but yeah so they released that and and people were a bit sort of like, 
hmm, okay. You know, I'd completely forgotten about the unquestionable truth. Um, and then Gold Cobra came along, what, like five years later, six years after after the unquestionable truth? Yeah. Um, and I, I low-key kind of love Gold Cobra, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. Having not listened to Limp Bizkit in probably about five years, <laughs> suddenly Gold Cobra comes out and includes one of my favourite Limp Bizkit songs, Douchebag. <laughs> I love it is great. I love douchebag so much. The chorus is, and I quote, douchebag, I'm a fuck you up. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you up. I'm a fuck you up. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you up. And then repeat. <laughs> it's so good. It is it is yep. it is an incredible song. Um Again, that's really stupid, but in the best possible yeah, way. Yeah, and, 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 and I think maybe Limbiscuit have realised now that that's where they need to be. Because everything they've released since gold cobra um so they're, they're working on this album apparently called stampede of the disco elephants that, that they, that they <laughs> did not know that. that they've apparently been working on for about eight years um oh is it their version of chinese democracy it is it is the new metal chinese democracy they've yeah um they've released a few singles that are supposed to be on it and played a few songs live that are supposed to be on it um but obviously have not released this album and i am so excited when it finally releases to give it a listen because you know what the world needs needs a new limp Bizkit album that's what's yep, wrong with the definitely. world right now you know everything is falling apart but the moment that Limp Bizkit releases a new album, that's how it's all going to get better. Yeah. They'll show us how to break stuff again. They will show us how to break stuff. And then when you've broken something, you can then rebuild it. Yep. Rebuild the world. Rebuild the world in the image of Fred, our Lord and yep. Saviour. And Wes. <laughs> Fred and Wes. They're like Romulus and Remus of the New World Order. <laughs> um, yeah, Wes definitely looks like he was raised by a wolf. I reckon he probably was. Um, so so we, we want to keep these briefer and more focused. Um, so shall we move on to our different ranking systems that we've come up with for, yeah, for sure. these new metal bands? So a bit of a disclaimer. We, we had a bit of a discussion. We thought we can't just rank these bands on the quality of their music because new metal is notorious for, for bad music, you know, like ob- objectively poor poor music that we really really love but you can't quite escape that you know none of this is 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 freebird is it no of course um so so instead we've come up with seven different categories to which we can actually rank these bands based on their the quality of their new metal and that that's what we're looking for here is who is the most new metal of the new metal bands are we um, going to crown a new metal king? We we will crown a new metal king when we've gone through every new metal band. We will have this new in metal a, king. a backwards red cap or possibly a beanie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What we'll do is we will have a little trophy, and on top of the trophy, we'll have the little corn doll from the cover of issues, and it'll be wearing <laughs> Fred Durst's cap. <laughs> that is the trophy that we will send to whoever is king of new metal. Yeah, um, little package arrives at Fred Durst's house. Yeah, Ooh, he's like, "Oh, I got a package from England. Oh, <laughs> oh that's nice. It's a, it's a corn doll in my hat and a little sign saying congratulations on being the most new metal of all the new metal.'" And then he's going to break it. And then he's going to break it because we know that Fred Durst he loves to break stuff. Yep, he can't stop. <laughs> he cannot stop. So right, so we have riff quality. That's category one. We then have yeah. catchy chorus quality. Category two. 
Yeah, like, can you actually sing some of these songs? Can you... I'm thinking about a lot of bands from that kind of era probably can't even sing the chorus of any of their songs. No, exactly. So you need to make sure, do, are these songs memorable? Do they stick in your head? Is That's either you can hum the riff or you can sing that chorus. Uh, theatrics. How many masks do they wear? How much body paint do they wear? How many times did they climb out of a giant toilet on stage? We were looking for Who did that? we were looking for that, which apparently Limp Bizkit did. Um, <laughs> I did not know that. So, uh, then we've got number of superfluous band members. Uh, I'm looking at you, Slipknot. Here, how many? Yeah, how many yeah. people outside of the core band are standing around hitting giant metal drums? That's what we're looking for here. Um, yeah, or having a nose like a long Pinocchio penis. Yeah, exactly. Um, then we've got um, hair color and style variety because you know that those those new metal bands, they loved having lots of different color hair and all of those different styles. If they get on Mohawk, have they spiked it up? Has someone got pink and black hair on either side? That's what we were looking for there. If they do have a Mohawk, Mohawk is it taller than they are? Yeah. That really important category for for new metal. Um, goof factor is category six. How goofy is this band? How goofy were they at the time? And then category seven, the cringe barometer for twenty twenty listening. <laughs> how cringe? Yeah. How cringy is it? How much do you want to crawl out of your own skin? These wounds they will not heal when you're listening to this new metal <laughs> in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. So those are our seven categories. And so let, let's let run through them now for Limp Bizkit. And then we'll work out a quick percentage score of how new metal are Limp Bizkit based on these. So for riff quality, I've gone with an eight out of 10. Because some of their songs, they are, they are super, 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 super catchy in terms of their riffs, aren't they? You know, like Break Stuff, um, Nookie. Uh, yeah. Take a look around. You can you can hum those and be like, yeah, I can get into that. Do you do- break stuff? I think has great riffs. Yeah. Genuinely, even that it's just two chords that that opening with that bone, bone, and then it's just one else of those days. Oh, yeah, it's so it's, good. See exactly, it's and so that's, good. that's category two as well. Really catchy, but also the bit the breakdown of that song is really good as well. It's he's got that little riff going. It's like yeah and it's like building up building up that's some really elegant really simple but really elegant guitar work yes yeah and and that and and that's the quality that comes from Limbiscuit is Wes Borland's guitar work it's really really good he is he is an I don't know pe- people do recognize him a bit but I don't think they recognize just how good he really is at, at yeah. playing those damn tunes um so so category two catchy chorus quality um i've gone for a seven out of ten here because there are some really catchy choruses there um break i agree with that break, no i will give you that break stuff is is really memorable you can sing it also douchebag is really memorable you can sing it <laughs> even rolling rolling, rolling yeah rolling 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 <laughs> but at the same time he's not a great singer so no how catchy are these choruses not too catchy but there is something about them where they stick in your head and every so often you'll catch yourself just humming in the supermarket and just singing you know subtly just going i did it all for the nookie what the nookie nookie. nookie. (laughs) exactly so you could take the cookie (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah yeah 
<laughs> Shove it up your yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Again, really stupid song. <laughs> really dumb, really dumb. But when you're really 13, it. it's great. It, when you're 13, the, it is the greatest song in the history of mankind. Um, so then, And I think today's 13-year-olds could learn a lot from that. I think they could. I think we need a little more goofy music. There's not enough of that around, is there? Um, no, so, it's so, all very, very serious. So in terms of theatrics little bit lower here six out of ten because the biscuit low-key in general this this is fair i have now found a picture of the toilet on stage and it is massive (laughs) it's amazing it is amazing i think metallica did that before them oh did they that's cool they had the metal up your ass thing but their toilet there's a picture of their toilet and it's actually sort of shiny and polished whereas the limp biscuit one is dirty so it's more realistic (laughs) more realistic that way Um, this was ozfest 98 apparently very good very good um so so wes borland's body paint that's some good theatrics there the toilet that's some good theatrics but overall a lot of baggy trousers and vests and t-shirts is not not too big on the theatrics here um and equally number of superfluous band members that drops even lower again to four out of ten for me yeah because even dj lethal i think is more than your average guy scratching on stage for a metal band isn't he exactly yeah and i think pedigree with house of pain betrays that and i think he did a lot of work in terms of production and working on the sound behind the scenes as well so you know they do have a dj and he seemed to do less and less of each passing album but yeah he he does a rock band ever need a dj the answer to that question is probably not probably not but But did limp biscuit need a dj they certainly did so low here on the superfluous band members ranking yeah and and again for anything they do a lot with very little like the majority of new metal bands i would say have two guitarists and you know have a lot of interlocking riffs and stuff so i think actually what they did with their number of people was it was a big sound yeah, I think they did a lot. Uh, they they used their personnel very well. And I think uh, their bass guitarist as well is is a bit underrated. Some of the stuff he did on the early albums in particular, pretty darn good. So they, they yeah, yeah, talent, talented chops. musicians. They didn't just fill their band with useless people, which is a negative here when we're counting how new metal are they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately for limp biscuit um and again for hair color and style variety they're pretty poor wes borland weird stuff well done wes you're high on the list here you are keeping limp biscuit in the running um but apart from fred's iconic red hat that's pretty much it which is a bit of a poor showing for one of the bands that really typified new metal yeah so yeah yeah not not a lot to not a lot to go on there apart from wes did some things with his hair here and there but yeah wes kept them wes keeps them in it he's he's their their shining star here um but when we come to the goof factor that's where limp biscuit really signed because fred durst fred durst possibly the goofiest man in the history of the world i don't think i'm overstating that he is a goofy individual and we love you for it fred um yeah nine out of ten on the goof factor i mean he's a knob but he's a goofy knob. <laughs> he's a goofy knob. So. He's he's a proper grade A bellend. But I think sometimes you need a bellend, don't you? Sometimes you need a grade A bellend to come and be at the front of your band and go, yeah! <laughs> and go, all right. All right. Keep on rolling, Keep on baby. rolling, baby. And that's what's so great about new Metal. It really was full of people who are absolute dickheads. But <laughs> yeah. it sort of gave you a bit of the stuff in your teenage years where... 
you know, you thought maybe it's okay to be a dickhead and then gave you some context for realizing that, no, actually, I don't want to be like Fred Durst later on. <laughs> exactly. Life lessons. Exactly. I, th- I think... There's a lot of life lessons to be had from new metal, and I think it, though, you could still have those. For sure. Even if you weren't kind of... I mean, a big part of this this podcast and whatever is nostalgia, isn't it? It's kind of like people who are around our age will probably get the most out of it and kind of reminiscing about how great this stuff was at the time. But and, and looking back on it as is interesting but i think you know i hope younger people and older people as well would who kind of were maybe our age when this stuff was happening probably looking at it going what the fuck are these dickheads doing on my television (laughs) (laughs) and i really think there's a lot to be said about dads what does mass what did masculinity look like in the new metal movement and i think there's an awful lot of insecurity around masculinity there which i think that you could really write many many theses on toxic masculinity and new metal um, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we're very, very anti-toxic masculinity, but there was so much of it there that we did sort of get a hold of at the time. So having that as a context for, you know, growing up is, yeah, it's a very, it's an important thing to acknowledge and to think about. Yeah. It's deep. <laughs> did, did Limp Bizkit fuck up our psyche for, for generations? <laughs> That's the question yeah. we've got to ask. Um, so, so, yeah, nine out of ten on the goof factor. And then for the 2020 cringe barometer... I'm going nine out of ten again because yeah, there is yeah, some cringy is shit here. <laughs> um, like, yeah, yeah, break stuff holds up. My generation holds up. You know, Nookie kind of holds up as well in terms of just being hilarious, like idiot rock. But there's some really bad shit here. Behind blue eyes made me want to yeah. peel off my absolutely own terrible. Eyelids. Oh my god! And even like um, the, what. The, what's the first song on Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavor? It's got an intro track <laughs> where he literally goes, Chocolate Starfish! Chocolate and the hot Starfish! And the hot dog flavored water! We already got that the, ba- the title is like a disgusting, stupid, cringy joke. You don't have to say it as an intro to the record. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find that they do. Um, but yeah, so 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 nine out of ten on the cringe barometer. There, there's some stuff on here which does hold up. A lot of it doesn't. So they're pretty high up there. So in terms of their overall new metal ranking, where do they come on the how how much out of how much percent are Limp Bizkit new metal? I've got them at sixty seven percent new metal. Yeah, that seems that seems fair. Like th- I, say, I think they'd be a lot higher if they'd gone for some mad hair or masks or something. Yeah, if these guys had masks, they would they would be up there. Um, and, but I think and if there was having, twenty, given of that them, they formed in nineteen ninety four, they were ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff. So yeah, because they were part of the first wave of of new metal along with Corn, and and a lot of new metal sort of came around around the turn of the millennium is where it really became the most cringe. So. Yeah. So yeah, so these guys were kind of a little bit ahead of it, which might explain why in terms of the cringe factor they're high, but in terms of the theatrics and looking incredibly stupid, they're not. So I think that's a respectable percentage for one of the front runners of of the new metal movement, you know. It's it sets a yeah. good a good a good uh uh a, a good starting position for this incredibly important scientifically accurate podcast. Yeah, this very, very important cultural touchstone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, that that is Limp Biscuit. Officially, yeah, 67% new metal. <laughs> Are you putting this in a spreadsheet somewhere? I, so I, 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 I do have a spreadsheet. 
Good, um, good. Yeah. So, so yeah, that is that is the first episode of Pod Durst, everybody. There you go. I'm excited to talk about... Hey, who are we going to talk about next? How do we work out that thing? Do we alternate choosing, like on Big Boys Don't Cry, or... Yeah. Have you, got, have you got some schedule planned? We can we can alternate it. Cool. Just because I'd really like to talk about Papa Roach. Oh, mate, yes. I'm totally down with that. Yeah, so that that would be a good next step, I think. Hell yeah. So Papa Roach next on Pod Durst. Yeah. And if you don't know much about new Metal or this kind of stuff was just in the background for you at the time, go and just watch some YouTube videos and reminisce because it is some wild and weird shit. <laughs> it's really weird. You, it's, it's almost the last era before the digital age where music just spread out across multiple genres. Like, but new Metal was kind of the last genre to really have that huge position in, in culture. Yeah, it was it was massive. It was genuinely massive. And even the kids who didn't like metal liked Limp Biscuit, or at least kind of might have got Chocolate Starfish or done a bit of, you know, listened to a few of the singles and everyone knew the words because the songs were everywhere. And like there were a few new metal bands that really transcended that. And these days I just don't think that would happen. No. So it's really interesting actually as a, a time capsule from that time in the kind of media technology landscape as well. Yeah, new metal was of how there was a lot of very stupid stuff going on, and like these days, you can't get away with being that stupid. No, new new metal was so bad that it destroyed how people think of music in terms of having one overarching genre that controls everything else. It's yeah. never going to happen again because new metal was so bad. But I I love it, and we love it, and you love it yeah. because you're listening. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, go and um, go and break stuff. Go and break stuff. Don't do it all for the nookie. Do it for yourself. Yeah, and for Fred. And do it for Fred. Our boy. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Pod Durst. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, We'll be back next time to talk about Papa Roach. All righty. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye.